Welcome to the Sport Manitoba podcast, hosted by Nolan Cole. Welcome to episode 14 of the Sport Manitoba podcast. I'm Nolan Cole, back with you for our first episode of the new decade. We're podcasting from our Sport Manitoba building at 145 Pacific Avenue in downtown Winnipeg. At Sport Manitoba, our focus is on supporting and planning sport programs to promote the development of vibrant citizens, athletes, and communities in Manitoba. We're also the main funding agency for amateur sport in the province, with over 65 provincial sport organizations in our building. If you missed any of our episodes from last year, each one is available on your podcast app of choice, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. When you think of women's hockey in Manitoba, a few names come to mind. Sammy Jo Small, Jennifer Botterill, Jocelyn LaRock, and another name you might know, Bailey Bram, who just officially retired from the sport early in the new year. My conversation with Bailey is coming up after a quick look at some of Sport Manitoba's upcoming events. Sport Manitoba celebrates the achievements of our athletes, coaches, officials, and volunteers every year at our Night of Champions. Join us at this year's event, Saturday, March 21st, at Club Regent Event Centre, as we honour the best of the best. Are you ready for the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame's annual Whiskey Festival at the Fairmont Winnipeg Hotel? Presented by Manitoba Liquor Marts, the two-night event happens March 6th and 7th and includes more than 170 different products to sample from, along with a gourmet buffet. Tickets available at winnipegwhiskeyfestival.com. At Sport Manitoba, we recognize the crucial role that officials have within sport. Keep an eye out for our No Ref, No Game campaign this year, as we'll be sharing real stories from Manitoba officials and what it's like to be behind the call. Remember to always respect your officials, because without them, there is no game. St. Anne's own Bailey Bram was a mainstay on the Canadian women's national team for much of the past decade. She played in five world championships, winning a gold medal in 2012, and her final international appearance came in 2018 as a member of the Canadian Olympic team in South Korea, where she won a silver medal after a shootout loss to the United States in the gold medal game. Not bad for a girl who grew up in the small Manitoba town southeast of Winnipeg. Bailey joined the podcast to talk about all of that success, her experience of growing up in a hockey-crazed family, and what her plans for the future are. Here's my conversation with Bailey Bram. Bailey, thanks for coming on the podcast today. No problem. Thanks for having me. Being a part of the women's national team was was such a big part of your life, obviously, and you announced officially that uh, you retired just at the turn of the calendar here in 2020. So how does it feel to be officially retired from the sport? (laughs) It's weird, kind of. I think something that I've done my whole life and put everything in since I was a little girl. And um, now to kind of, you know, close that door and start the next chapter is, you know, it's exciting, a little bit scary at the same time, but no, I think I was ready for it. So why now? Why was now the the right time to call it a career? Do you think? You know what? After the Olympics, I decided that maybe it was going to lean towards retirement. I wasn't sure. Um, Hockey Canada was pretty nice about it and decided to give me that year to kind of figure it out, um, try some new things, see if I did want to go back, if I was ready to retire, what my case was. Um, And throughout that year, I kind of learned what I wanted to do, what I wanted to do moving forward. And uh, I think it just kind of fell into place and decided to make that decision. So, You grew up in a hockey family. Your dad runs a (laughs) hockey development camp, right? Your two older brothers played the sport. Your younger sister, obviously, Shelby, played for Team Canada as well. So what was it like growing up so naturally immersed in the sport? (laughs) Yeah, you know what? I actually have three half-siblings as well. And so there's eight of us in total and seven of us 
grew up playing hockey. My oldest sister now jokes that eight of us play hockey because she started when she was like 35 or something. Um, but yeah, that was all I knew growing up. And we had an outdoor rink in our yard and we'd all be out there and dad would put the pads on and we'd just play until literally we had frostbite and went inside. So um, I always wanted to be like my older brothers. I literally had a mushroom cut like them till I was like 12 or something. But for me, it was I always grew up playing with the boys um, in my town of St. Anne and I always looked up to my older brothers and it wasn't weird to be a girl playing hockey because that was all I knew. And so um, they definitely paved the way for me and yeah, it was an awesome childhood. What was it like playing with the, with the boys growing up? You know what? It was fun. And I, having so many brothers, I never thought it was weird or anything. I always got dressed in the same room with the room as them. And they always treated me like, you know, I was just one of them. Um, they're still some of my best friends today, the guys I grew up playing with. And now it's, it's funny because there's like almost girls hockey teams everywhere that girls have the opportunity to play for. And I never had that. I would have had to come to Winnipeg if I wanted to play with the girls. And so I was usually the only girl on the team. And, you know, it was totally normal and it was just a lot of fun and they always pushed me to be best best I could be so okay your hometown town of St. Anne Manitoba unlikely hotbed for for <laughs> women's hockey right so you and your sister Jocelyn the Rock who you grew up with and played with Melanie Gagnon who's a few years older a Reagan Kirk the young goaltender and I actually got a chance to talk to Reagan before the Canada Winter Games and I asked her you know to explain how a town of roughly 2,000 people could uh, could produce so many good hockey players and she said the town just has a lot of passion for the game would you agree with that oh absolutely like it is everywhere it's always in your face everyone's always excited to be at the rink that's kind of where you go to socialize basically is the rink and so yeah it it's awesome and Truly, like, I grew up across the street from Mel. She always played with my older brothers. Jocelyn was um, two years older, so I never played with her um, with the boys. I played with her in summer hockey. Um, but I truly believe that if you can see it in front of you and you have the chance to kind of, you know, I would go to the rink every day and I'd see Melanie on the team with the boys and I'd see Jocelyn on the team with the boys. Jocelyn had a sister, Chantel, who was always there playing as well. And I think it just inspired me to push myself to be that much better because, you know, once Melanie started making under 22, then Jocelyn did. And once Jocelyn did, it was me, then Shelby, then, you know, Reagan. And I think truly being able to see them go through it motivated me and inspired me and really made me believe that I could do it as well. Um, I think growing up, if it was, if I never had those girls to look up to, to as my role models, truly, you know, you see it on TV, you see Jennifer Botterell, you, you get an autograph or something, you're excited, but you always think that that's unattainable or something that you can't really do. But, you know, to be able to be around them, like Melanie literally lived across the street and to see her and how she trained and how she pushed herself, it would, you know, it inspired me and made me realize that, you know, I could do that one day as well. So it's still an anomaly though, isn't it? For a town that small to, to it's have crazy. such, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's actually really cool because Reagan had a picture. She showed me it last year. I was her coach last year, actually. So um, and I, Shelby and I were, I think I was my first world championship, so 2012. So I would have been 21, Shelby would have been 18, and we actually went and gave a speech at her school. I think she was in like grade five at the time and got a picture with us after, and she said, like, I want to play in the Olympics one day, that's my dream. And it was just so neat, you know, to see it all come full circle. And obviously she's not Olympics yet, but right down the road, I hopefully see her there, so. Yeah. I know you wore 17 because of Jennifer Botterill. You mentioned her. So you, you talk about the role models in your own town, but what about watching, you know, Jen and Sammy Joe Small and those other Manitobans? Did that kind of make you believe that, that you could achieve the same thing watching them at the, on the Olympics on TV? Oh, 100%. So before that, 
I never saw, so before 2002 Olympic Games, I had never seen women's hockey in person. I didn't even really know it existed. I thought I was going to be the first girl to play in the NHL. I had all these brothers. I played boys hockey, and that was just like my dream. And until I was literally 11 years old watching in my living room and saw the 2002 Olympics on TV, and it was, you know, Sammy Joe Small, Jennifer Botterell, Cassie Campbell, Haley Wickenizer, and I just that was when my dream kind of changed and that was when I was like oh my goodness that is what I want to do one day and I want to wear the maple leaf I want to play for Canada and I remember that summer I got to meet Jennifer Botterill and it was literally like I was meeting the coolest human on earth I was so nervous I was so shy I got her autograph but now looking back you know being able to see it is what inspired the dream and so it kind of goes back to what I talked about in our town if you can you know if you see it in front of you and you have those resources there. It just helps you, kind of motivates you to keep working to achieve it. So We're going to take a break, and we'll talk more about your experience playing for Team Canada. But before we do that, just one more question. I read in one of your Hockey Canada bios that you're legally blind <laughs> in your left eye. Is that true? It is. So I wear one contact, and my glasses only have one side prescription. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, so I think a lot of people would be surprised to, to hear that. Like, How challenging was that on the ice for you? You know what? It's funny because I actually never wore a contact until I believe it was like 2014. I never I never fixed anything with it and it was just natural. So I think picking up passes on my backhand was probably missed a lot of those. Um, but I actually, as I started to wear the contact, it was actually harder at first. It was like my brain would get like vertigo and I would just always feel like dizzy because now both eyes were actually working. But over time it, it got better and um, thankful for our team doctors for figuring that one out. But yeah, it wasn't as hard as you would think, I guess. So, Okay, Manitoba hockey star Bailey Bram is our guest on the Sport Manitoba podcast. We'll be back with the second half of our discussion after a quick break. This winter, Sport Manitoba is working together with the Sport Information Resource Centre to raise awareness about concussions. We want all of our athletes and coaches to know the signs and symptoms of a concussion so that they can be properly treated. Follow along on our social media channels at Sport Manitoba on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram and use the hashtag HeadstrongCanada. Sport Manitoba strives to make sport a safe and welcoming experience for athletes, coaches, parents, officials and volunteers across the province. If you experience any incidents of abuse, harassment, or any other inappropriate conduct, please call our sports support line at 1-877-737-9875 to talk to a trained professional or visit our website for more resources. Sport Manitoba and Doctors Manitoba joined forces in 2013 to launch Fit Kids Healthy Kids. Both partners saw the need to promote physical literacy as a means to combat health risks associated with a sedentary lifestyle such as type 2 diabetes and obesity. Doctors Manitoba has been generously supporting Fit Kids Healthy Kids financially since its inception. Learn more at fitkidshealthykids.ca. At our sport leadership conference in 2018, you said that growing up you didn't have a very good attitude and you weren't a good role model or teammate. <laughs> I watched the video. What changed? How did you evolve? A big thing for me was growing up, it sounds cocky, I guess you could say, but I was always, even with my boys teams, usually the best player on the team. My parents, not that they ever instilled in me to be cocky, but it was always to believe in myself more than anyone else. And I had never really had any setbacks in my career. I'd always made every single team I tried out for is usually the best player on every team I tried out for, girls or guys. And I guess I had the little bit of arrogance, cockiness, and when other players couldn't necessarily play to my level or 
whatever it was, I would get frustrated with them or I'd get frustrated with myself if I felt I wasn't playing really good, which I had a terrible attitude. It was awful. And it got better through university. I think obviously as I grew up and matured a little bit, but I still had that little bit of attitude swag, I guess you would say to it. Um, But it wasn't until I got cut in 2014 and uh, I realized how big, how much of a factor your attitude can be. And it wasn't necessarily that I got cut from my attitude, but it was, um, I felt I was probably cutting corners. I probably wasn't doing everything I could do to make the team. Um, And so when I got cut, I was frustrated and kind of pissed off. Screw Hockey Canada mindset, I guess you could say. Um, I felt I deserved to be there at the time and not making it honestly crushed me. And uh, it wasn't actually, it was Jeff Wood, my trainer. So he was with me from, I think I was 15 when I started working with him. And uh, I was like, Jeff, I think I'm done. I'm retiring. I'm old. I was like 22. (laughs) Like I'm old. This is stupid, blah, 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 whatever it was. And I just had that not chip on my shoulder, but it was poor me kind of attitude. And I remember we went for, he's like, just come for coffee. Let's just figure it out. Like, just talk through it. And uh, I remember we went for coffee and he's just like, Bale's like, you have so much more you need to give. Like, you're 22 years old. You're, you know, you got cut. Who cares? Like, get over it, basically. Like, gave me that kick in the butt. And uh, after that, I started working with sports psych. I started working with a nutritionist. I was with Jeff five, six days a week. And um, I decided after that that if I was going to do it again, if I was going to try and play for another four years and make the 2018 team, that I wanted to do it better than ever, and I wanted to make sure that I never, ever, ever gave them another reason to cut me. And uh, so, yeah, I started working with Jeff. Like, I was crazy. I was tracking my sleep. I was literally tracking everything I ate, whatever, like everything, nutritionist, sports psych. But it was when I met with the sports psych that we – really broke down how important attitude is. And so believing in yourself, but also making the players around you better and bringing out the best in them. And I have played with a lot of teammates that make you feel, you know, crappy if you make a mistake. And I was that teammate for a long time. And I realized how toxic that can be and how you're not you're not going to make teams with that kind of attitude. And so from that moment forward, I truly my attitude became my number one. That was my priority, and it was you can control how hard you work, you can control blah, 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 but number one is your attitude, and whether things go right, whether things go wrong, that is the most important thing and how you make people feel also. And so that became my biggest asset, I think, and I literally, if it came down to me or another teammate, I was always told, you know what, we took you because your attitude. You have the ability to, you know, make people in the room laugh. You have lighten the mood in the room to be there for a teammate who needs you um and so i i took a lot of pride in that so so you were 22 when this kind of shift happened for mm-hmm. you do, do you wish you you could have gotten to that mindset earlier but i guess it's it's difficult right when you're when you're a teenager yeah and you know i do and i don't to be honest i always say i'm like i was so mad to get cut in the moment but i think it was truly was the biggest blessing i ever had in my career had I not gotten cut, I probably would have went my next four years with that same attitude. I would have went with that same, you know, kind of half, well, I went to the gym today, I worked hard. Was it enough? Probably not. I would go, my nutrition wasn't the best it could be. I'd have late nights, like, you know, I didn't, I did whatever I had to do to get by and I thought that was enough. And so I think by getting cut, it truly challenged me to evolve into the best person and athlete I could possibly be. And it made me grow as a person so much. And so Yeah, I joke now that, yeah, I was pissed off at the time, but it's the best thing that could have ever happened to me. And I truly believe that that is the reason I made the 2018 team is because I 
was forced to now check all these boxes that I neglected for so long and made sure that every single day when I showed up at the rink, I was not going to give them any reason to cut me and I was going to be better than whoever else I was competing against because I had gone through getting cut and I never, ever wanted it to happen again. So Then you would go on, you had the opportunity to represent Canada multiple times, world championships and, and Olympics. How special was that, wearing the maple leaf, given that it was a childhood dream of yours? Oh my goodness, it truly never got old. And I think every single time I'd put that jersey on, it would just like, I'd kind of take a moment, I'd smile, I'd think to myself, like, not very many people get to do this. If You know, there's 21 people in the room with you right now and out of Canada. And we are going to, like, we get to play, we get to represent our country. And it was so, so, so special. And I think also getting cut really reinforced that for me, how, you know, how much of an, how special of an opportunity it was and how just never to take it for granted. So, yeah, I still get chills thinking about it. So, Was there a particular highlight, whether it be the 2018 Olympics, obviously the shootout didn't, didn't go the way <laughs> you guys wanted it to, but was it the Olympics? Was it another world championship moment? Something, one moment that stands out for you, Bailey? Um, obviously the Olympics was special, right? That was what I dreamed of my whole life, but I actually have two. So first time I ever wore the jersey with the senior national team. So my first world championships, I was 21. Um, we were in Vermont and I remember putting the jersey on and going for a warm up and like seeing my parents in the stands. And it was like, I think I cried the whole warm up. <laughs> like can't get a grip, like <laughs> figure it out here. Um, and then my second one would actually be when we got the chance to play in Winnipeg. So during the Olympic year, training year in 2017, we played in Winnipeg. Um, I think I literally myself probably had over 250 of the people there just like cheering for me who had bought tickets through me um, and just to see everyone afterwards and be able to win on home ice and like you know be in the rank that I was grew up watching the Jets and the Moose and you know dreaming of playing on the national team one day so to be back there in our hometown and playing was so special. And the 2012 the, your first Worlds that was your only gold medal. Yeah. <laughs> so that kind of, I guess, winning the gold and then that kind of maybe gave you some interesting perspective to go on and, and have a lot of, you know, obviously you played in more world championships, but to have a lot of tough losses, right, in, in finals after that. Yeah, it's like, I thought that was just like the, yeah. the standard was gold. I was a rookie. I was, um, we won an overtime on U.S. soil. It was, it was incredible. And after that, I think I was just, I thought that was the norm and we were pumped up and. 2013 we lost in overtime on home soil so that was like oh crap we'll get them next year yeah. kind of thing is my mindset but yeah a lot of silvers after that for sure okay the canada u.s rivalry to me it's unlike any other rivalry in sport at the women's game for hockey i guess just because those two countries have dominated the sport right there's maybe not as much parity as there is on the men's side so take me inside that rivalry and what it's like to be a part of something like that it's literally like you're going to war <laughs> It is so much fun. For me, it's like that was, those are the games that like, that is the reason I play hockey was to play those games, those big moments. Every single time you're on the ice, you literally want to kill each other. And it's that mindset. I mean, we have so much respect for each other off the ice and we know how hard each country works and how much you put into it. And especially as a woman's athlete, it's, you know, you don't really get that recognition and we know how good they are as well. So there's so much respect off the ice, but on the ice, it's, literally like we get so fired up for those games and not to take away from all the other games we play but it was just something so special about playing the U.S. and I mean I don't want to say we prepare differently but we prepare differently I guess. <laughs> so you kind of came full circle in becoming a role model yourself now right so I guess 
what is your message to young girls now, whether they're hockey players or athletes of another sport? Yeah, it's kind of crazy when I think of myself as a role model, just because I still see you know Cassie Campbell and Haley Wickenheiser and those girls as you know my role models. And so now to hear younger girls come up to me or like, oh, I wear number 17 because of you, or you helped me do this, or I want to play on the Olympic team and be forward because of you. It's so neat and it's such a special feeling. And my message for them is always just have fun. Like, don't put so much stress on yourself. And I see now there's parents that are like, hey, my daughter's in, she has three ice times today and then a workout and then she has another workout and then she's back on the ice. Like, what else can she do? And I'm just like, oh my goodness. One, like, take it back a little bit and just make sure she's always having fun. And I think if you're not enjoying it and you're not passionate about it, you're not going to want to work hard at and you're not going to want to get better so just having fun with it and enjoying how not stressful it can be when you're young so and is that a lot of that based on your experience when you were that age and maybe being a little bit too competitive or serious do you think yeah I don't know like for me my parents always made sure that you know we were allowed one tournament in the summer and that was it otherwise we played different sports and that was normal like we played every school sport I played baseball in the summers and We'd go to the lake, we'd do all those things, and it was my break away from hockey. And I just, I don't see that now, okay. and I see it year-round, and they're doing, you know, they're on multiple teams, they have private coaches, and these young girls that are eight, nine years old, I'm seeing them just being, they're burnt out, they're tired, and obviously they love it, but at what point, you know, are they going to stop loving it? And that's where kind of my worry is. So it's just making sure you're having fun with it, and you're excited to go to the rink every day. I know you do some work with the Classroom Champions charity. Can you just explain what, what that's all about and why that work is so important <laughs> to you? Yeah, that was, that was so much fun. So basically, it's an online platform. And so I would be a mentor, and it's for underserved communities across Canada. So um, not so we actually got to meet them all in person at the end of the year. Um, but throughout the year, so you're paired up with, I would think I had up to eight classrooms at a time. And they would give you the topic of the month. So January, let's say it was perseverance. Um, So I would make a video and I would talk about what perseverance was and then what it meant to me. And then, you know, situations where I had to use perseverance. And then I would always leave them with a challenge. These eight classrooms. So the, you know, the charity would spice up the video and make it very nice, very exciting for the kids. Um, And they would have the classroom or they would have the video in their classroom and then they would answer the challenge and that would be their monthly topic in their community or in their classroom and once every three months we'd have live chats with them so they actually got to meet me um they'd ask me whatever questions they want and i was kind of their mentor for the year so every month there'd be a different challenge different topic um and it just helped them with their mental health with believing themselves a lot of them come from single family homes or they don't have a strong female mentor or strong male mentor for you know the male side of it and then at the end of the year they bring you to the classrooms and you get to meet them and yeah it was just something that they had that you know a lot of times in their communities they not necessarily would have and they someone who can show them that you know you can dream break and you can do these things even though you might not have all the resources to do it so we most likely won't be seeing you in a red and white jersey again <laughs> but what are your plans for the future so I'm currently in school um, for massage therapy. Um, so another year and eight months of that. <laughs> um, and then after that, I think well, I have my hockey camp that goes every year. And after that, you know, hopefully start a family down the road and keep giving back to the female side. And just, you know, I know I have so much 
to give and so much to help the next generation. So, um, yeah, keep doing that. Well, I was going to ask you just as a follow-up to that, do you plan to stay involved in the sport as much as possible? Do you think it'll always be a major part of your life? I think so. Like, for a while, I took a step away just to kind of see how much I would miss it and how much I would, you know, want to go back and play. And that kind of took that year to figure it out. And, yeah, I, I'm ready to move on from it in a playing way, but I'm, I love, you know, helping coach and helping the next girls with their dreams and, you know, little things that, you know, they have questions, how do I do this? How do I do this? And being able to give advice that I've personally, you know, gone through it or what worked for me um, and seeing that little spark go on and, you know, that they finally get something and being able to help. So I don't, I don't know in what capacity, but I think I'll always be around the game. So Last question for you. Going back to your hometown now of St. Anne, are you treated any differently or is it surreal <laughs> in any way? Because I know you still spend quite a bit of time there, right? Yeah, we, my husband and I built the house there. And it's funny, so being in this small little town growing up, you know, you always kind of dream of being in a big city or whatever it is, right? And I remember I was like, oh, I don't know if I'll ever move back to St. Anne, maybe Winnipeg. I don't even know if Manitoba, it's too cold for me. Um, but yeah, now it's like I grew, built a house across from my parents. I'm back there and... It, people don't necessarily treat me differently. I think everyone kind of knows who I am and they always want to ask about hockey or whatnot. But um, to them, I think I'm just Bailey. They always see me so often that they know I'm just, you know, I'm normal, I'm human, and I get dressed the same way as they do. So, uh, but yeah, they're definitely, they've been so supportive through everything and the community, you know, helped me through everything. So, I have so I'm so grateful for them and I have so much thanks to them. But yeah, it's fun being back there now. Well, Bailey, we want to wish you all the best in the future and thanks so, so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks again to Bailey Bram for sharing her experience of a very successful hockey career, and we wish her all the best in the future. If you enjoyed this episode of the Sport Manitoba podcast, you can subscribe to our podcast. It's available anywhere you get your podcasts, including Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on social media at Sport Manitoba on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you know of somebody who you think would make for a good guest on our show, whether it's an athlete, coach, or somebody else involved in sport, you can email me at podcast at sportmanitoba.ca. We'll be back with another episode in February. Keep an eye out for that. I'm Nolan Cole. Thanks for listening to the Sport Manitoba podcast.